The ability to speak with confidence and present for impact is easily the most valuable skill you can have in today's world. When you can share your knowledge, you can facilitate change, and when you can facilitate change, well, you can change the world one conversation at a time. But most people think they can't speak articulately, confidently, or with impact. They get choked up by nerves, they lose their words, or that dreaded imposter syndrome shuts them down. Well, I'm happy to say that speaking is a skill that anyone can learn. Yes, even you. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. My name is Kat Matson, and welcome to Speaking with Confidence. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Speaking with Confidence with Kat Matson. It's lovely to see you here. How are you today? I hope you're well. I hope you're having a lovely day and I hope that you've taken a moment to just answer that question. I know I can't hear the reply and I'm very deliberate about asking that question at the start of these episodes because it's important that we check in with ourselves and that's very much part of the conversation that I'm having with today's guest. Now, this is another interview uh, podcast episode and it is with the delightful and gorgeous Erica Webb, who I have been following now for a very long time on Instagram. And Erica is a movement coach. Um, Think Pilates, think yoga, but from a very different perspective. And her focus is about being kind to ourselves. And in the conversation We explore what that means and what is the impact of being kind with ourselves on our nervous system? What is the impact of being kind on ourselves when we are having that freak out moment of I'm about to speak and they're going to think that I'm stupid or they're going to think that I'm nuts and all of the physiological responses come with that. The other thing that I'm chatting with Erica about is speaking on social media. She has built quite an extraordinary business off the back of her Instagram presence. She's a, I would say she's a prolific um, Instagram reel and video creator. I love her style. I love her approach. It's so natural. It's so authentic. It's so engaging and she makes it look easy and that's because she keeps it easy. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Erica Webb and I will see you at the end. Erica, welcome to the podcast. I'm so stoked to have you here and to talk all things, all things nervous system, all things kindness, all things looking after ourselves, and of course, all things Instagram. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Kat. I'm stoked to be here. So I've just introduced you to our listeners, but you know, I don't think my introduction is ever as good as somebody else's. So before we get stuck into our conversation today, who are you? What do you do? Why do you do it? All right. That is a big question. But I am Erica Webb and I am a registered counsellor and a somatic exercise coach. So my background is very much in the movement world. I started off um, in this arena as a yoga teacher and very quickly throughout my career, I started to like take a bit of a, a turn towards self-kindness and self-compassion because it was what I so desperately needed. And so my work very much centers on the mind-body connection, um, how we learn to love ourselves ultimately and to feel a sense of home within our own skin. Oh, 
a sense of home with our own skin. How, oh, I got goosebumps then. How delicious, how Mm. delicious. So that's actually one of the things that I want to talk to you about today is this notion of getting comfortable in our own skin, feeling at home in our own skin from a place of self-kindness. So maybe can you, you, I heard you just say, it's what I so desperately needed. Can you mm-hmm. just kind of walk us through that process of how you ended up here? Yeah, yeah, I can. I'll try to give you the short version because it's a fairly long story. But um, before becoming a movement teacher, I was working in the corporate world. I worked with data. I worked in um, research. And I very quickly burnt out, very quickly burnt out. And So I have this kind of, I guess, burnout story from the corporate world where I felt very inflicted upon all the time. I felt like I couldn't cope in that environment very well. And then I went off to become a mum and I, yet again, burnt out very quickly and felt very inflicted upon, oddly. Parenting does it. (laughs) It really does. But when my kids were really little, I fell into a very deep hole. Um, I was very anxious, very uh, depressed, very lost. And I was so mean to myself. I was so very cruel. And the narrative that I had was one of, like, I hate myself. That was what I heard myself say over and over again. And it really wasn't until I learned to be kind and to be compassionate towards myself that everything changed. And I can remember feeling very much like my body was against me. I was getting lots of headaches. I was um, not feeling very well a lot of the time. And I remember just feeling like my body was my my enemy, something mm. that kind of was out to get me somehow. And so this shift towards seeing my body as my ally and myself, right, as, as an ally literally sort of saved me it literally pulled me out of the darkest time I've ever experienced um and it keeps me it keeps me from going back there I think Mm. in a lot of ways because what I found to be very true is that being a human in this world is very complicated and there are no there is no shortage of messages that will tell us that we're not enough not doing enough don't have enough the list is endless And so being able to meet all of that with an internal sense of kindness and compassion and enoughness and the security of coming home to an internal world that is a soft place to land rather than a cruel kind of Mm. prison, um, there's nothing like it. There really isn't. And I've been on both sides of that and I know where I would rather. Mm. I would rather spend my time. Yeah. I particularly relate to that sense, particularly of being in the corporate world and parenting Mm. actually too, but in corporate world of being constantly inflicted upon just that. And and I'm just, I'm noticing my, my physical response. It's like that constant being pushed down, pushed on, pushed forward, pushed back. It's just a Mm. constant, you know, molding. One of the things that I've been noticing in your social media messaging lately has been this whole notion of nervous system regulation of management and tying that in with that self-kindness can you talk to us around nervous system regulation because I know a lot of my listeners they feel that same feeling of their body is their 
enemy. Their body mm. betrays them, particularly when they're on the spot. You know, they, they go bright red. They start losing their words. They get the shakes right when they need to actually show up and be calm and mm. be powerful. So, yeah, can, talk us through this notion of nervous system regulation. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of information out there at the moment around nervous system regulation. And I don't know that we always read it or even hear it necessarily from sources that that um, explain exactly what it is. So this is a great question. I think the place that we really have to start is recognising that your nervous system is constantly filtering information from the world. And a lot of that information you're not conscious of. So your nervous system essentially is your your safety system, right? It's like the uh, alarm network of your body. And it's looking for both signals of threat and it's looking for signs of safety, signs of um, security and safety. And so when we start to recognize that that is literally our nervous system's job and it is constantly scanning the environment for information, and the environment that it scans is both external to us and internal, right? So our nervous system is picking up on things that are happening outside of us. So, you know, if a scary monster was to come up behind you now and you saw that, you would have a reaction because your nervous system would say, hey, that's a threat. But also what's going on inside, the way that we talk to ourselves, the things that we're thinking, oh my gosh, are those people laughing at me? Are they going to think I'm an idiot? Those thoughts are also going to say to our nervous system, hey, there's a threat here. And when our nervous system thinks there's a threat, it mobilizes energy and things so that we can respond to that threat. So we get the heart rate going so that we can run away. We get all wobbly in our legs so that we can like collapse into a puddle on the floor and play dead so that nobody hurts us. We stumble our words because we're, you know, we've kind of like lost that ability to, to clearly think because we're prepared to run away. All of that is working in your favor. That's the thing that I think is wild about this is we go, oh my God, my body is working against me. But it's like, no, your body thinks you're under threat. So it's actually doing the exact thing that you, it thinks you need. Now, if it's wrong, maybe we need to give it information that helps it to understand how to then regulate. So if we go back to your original question, what is nervous system regulation? It's the ability to move between states. Mm. So. We don't always want to have our system responding like there's a monster behind you. Because when it does that, we go into a state where we're just always stressed. We're always stressed. And this is most of us, most of the time. I'm not going to mm -hmm. lie. Because so much of the information that we receive now from our world, internal and external, is telling us all the ways that we're not doing enough, not having enough, not being enough. And there's scary stuff, right? Mm. Like there's scary things. And so we have this constant input into the system that says your nervous system needs to be responding in a way that says there's a threat here. Let's do something about it. To have a regulated nervous system is to have a nervous system that can go, oh, there's a threat. Let's respond. Oh, everything's okay. Let's come back to this other level. And to do that appropriately, right? To do that in a way that if, um, you know, I, I kind of think back to when my kids were uh, really little and I was particularly kind of hyper aroused. And sometimes it would just, you'd just be so jumpy, like somebody mm -hmm. would like walk and you, just, you know, like you're just ready to. Ugh. That's that 
kind of living right at the edge of your ability to sort of cope. And it's a sign that your nervous system hasn't sort of decided that like everything's okay, we can we can rest for a bit. Mm. So we want to have these opportunities where we feel safe enough to rest. And what I think we hear uh, or what is trying to be sort of put across when we hear this talk of nervous system regulation is that for a lot of us, we don't have the the tools to get into a state where we feel safe to rest, where our nervous system feels safe to say, okay, well, right now there is no threat. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Um, there's so many layers of this that make sense, actually. <laughs> I um, was thinking of a time in my corporate career where I was doing fine. It was, it was the mental equivalent of that jumpy sense that you just described where if if everything if everything stayed as it was i was fine i might my, my workload was chock a block it was all fine but then if something happened that i wasn't expecting like i got a note from school saying oh tomorrow's sports day you need to do xyz <laughs> no <laughs> uh, but i had no capacity what to and it would absolutely mm. send me into an, a complete nut of tears like i would yeah. lose it and I was like, this is ridiculous. All I have to do is find a blue T-shirt. Like, this is, like mm-hmm. that's doable. But just that extra piece. It, yeah. There was that saying of, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I, I recognise that now as being constantly on edge, constantly on alert, and never in that calm state. Mm. So you've just run a program called Soma Home and you talk about in your socials um, self-kindness so can you give us a few tips on how we change our approach to ourselves because we can't change the world yeah. but we can change our approach to ourselves so we can better regulate and better yeah. respond yes yes okay so this is very multi-layered and I guess I'll cover maybe two things out of lots all of the things all of the things. Um, the first one, I think, is giving ourselves the space, the permission and a way of learning to hear ourselves, of learning to um, understand what we're actually feeling, because it's very hard to regulate something that you don't you're not aware of. Um, one of the things that we do in Soma Home is learn to sense And it sounds almost silly, right? Because you're like, well, of course I can feel things. But the truth is that our world is set up in a way that really asks us to ignore a lot of how we feel. We are not taught to listen and pay attention to the signals that come from our body about how we feel. And so there's lots of warning signs that, you know, I'm approaching that edge of my capacity to cope. And if somebody asks me for a blue t-shirt, I'm liable to dissolve into tears. There are lots of signs that happen before that that say, you know what, maybe you need some time out. Maybe you need to do some things to help you regulate. But if we're not sure of what that feels like, and especially if we've not experienced that contrast for a really long time, because we have been living up here, um, we have to learn how to feel. And so that's the first part is giving ourselves enough space and opportunity to learn how we feel. And to start to differentiate between different states. That's really important. The second part is to learn to talk to ourselves more nicely. 
And this is huge because as I was saying before, you know, your nervous system is constantly scanning for threat. And the threat doesn't have to be outside of yourself. The threat can be from the inside. So if you're constantly saying, I'm always terrible, I always say the wrong thing when I open my mouth, I'm always embarrassing myself, who am I to be doing this? You know, we could we could talk about, we could just list off things for, for, for a month. When we're doing that without any kind of like checks and balances, our nervous system's going to say, hey, there's a threat. I need to be ready to deal with this. And so just learning to meet yourself and be like, oh, I see that right now I'm really struggling with this idea that I'm not good enough. And that actually really hurts. And I'm going to choose to meet myself with kindness and compassion and love, even though I feel this way. So it's not asking for those thoughts to disappear, because that would be a futile pursuit. We can definitely decrease the frequency of those thoughts. We can decrease how loud they are. We can, you know, decrease how much we believe them. But the, but the starting point is to say, oh, I hear that. I can see that that's how I'm talking to myself. And I recognize that I'm scared or I recognize that I'm feeling not enough. But I know that I'm worthy of love or I'm choosing to believe that. Sometimes it's not so mm. much uh, that, I, that we do believe it, but we're like, you know what, I'm going to play an experiment. What if I was worthy of that? And so I love my, my favorite uh, tool is actually just a phrase, which is, isn't it interesting to be able to say, isn't it interesting that I feel so vulnerable right now? Isn't it interesting that I never feel good enough? Isn't it interesting that I feel like my body is working against me? Huh? How could I meet myself in this moment with a little bit more kindness? And often, you know, the, the objection that I hear from people around that is like, but I don't know how to do that. It doesn't feel easy and it won't be, you know, I think this is the thing. It won't be when we have spent a lifetime being unkind to ourselves. It's not like you just decide to be kind one day and then everything you say to yourself is wonderful, but it's a choice that we make to say, you know what, I'm ready to have this kind of relationship with myself and so then we start to notice when we're not doing that and we just invite it in that that's you know I almost it's almost sounds a little simple and a little trite when I say it like that but it is it's just this moment by moment choice oh I hear that I hear that I'm you know really um kind of self-flagellating here I don't want to I don't I'm not doing that I hear it I see it I'm offering myself kindness there's so many gorgeous distinctions in there. Um, it's moment by moment. It's not about expecting a massive change or that you'll never talk to yourself like that again. It's a kind conversation with yourself. And I love that yeah. phrase. Isn't that interesting? Because that invites curiosity, doesn't it? Instead yeah. of a... Because I notice sometimes that I will go down the path of the negative thought process and then I'll kind of yell at myself. I'll go, stop, yes. stop it. And that's just as unkind. I'll go, okay slow down it's okay this has come from 49 years of life you're not going to change it like that you're not going to just instantly flick the switch um and there was another phrase that has just escaped me that i heard you say isn't it interesting even though that was my uh, that's one of my favorites i'm going to give this a go even though i'm not feeling fantastic about it 
or even though I doubt my ability or even though I'm feeling vulnerable or even though I'm feeling scared. In fact, one of the things that I say a fair bit now in my workshops is we misinterpret nerves as fear and we misinterpret fear as a reason not to. The nerves bubble up because we're telling ourselves all of those things. We then tell ourselves we're scared. Actually, there's nothing to be scared of. There's no monster. You're not about to die. There's nothing. The worst that's going to happen is somebody's going to look at you quizzically and go, huh? <laughs> but we then we line up all of that stuff and then we go, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say mm. anything. Speaking of not doing those things that we know that we want to do, I want to shift now into some really practical stuff like Instagram reels. <laughs> Because Instagram Reels is one of the things that I have a lot of people say, oh, God, I just I need to get on social media more, but I'm just scared that I'm going to f- stuff it up. I'm, get, yeah. I'm scared that I'm going to say the wrong thing. You use Instagram masterfully, Erica. How do you, tell us, how do you use Instagram to build your business and build your awareness? And did it take you a while to kind of get the confidence to do it as often as you do? Yes, great question. I had a period there of years where I was super prolific on Instagram. The last few months I have been a little less so. Um, but feel like I'm, it. No, and this is the interesting thing. People say that all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm not as prolific as I was. I posted every day for, for a long time. Um, to be honest, it's interesting. This is an interesting question. And I, I feel like the thing that I do on Instagram well, I think, <laughs> is that I am just who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, you get me as I am, whether I'm on a podcast, whether I'm teaching you a movement class, whether we're in a one-on-one session together or whether we're having dinner, like I'm just who I am. And I'm very much believe that the, the issue that we have when we're hesitant to get onto Instagram or any kind of social media or any kind of video platform is that we have this feeling of, I should be able to do it this way. Mm-hmm. like that person or like you know whatever whatever is our expectation and there's this really interesting question from a book that I love um which is is something I've come across more recently so it's not what kind of inspired me into to doing what I do on Instagram but um this idea of like understanding how we're trying to be perceive, perceived by the world and how we don't want to be perceived by the world mm-hmm. and when we start to get curious about that we realize that we leave a lot of our humanity kind of hidden under the table so that nobody will see it so that we can be perceived as more perfect than we really are. And I just am so hyper aware of the fact that what I love about people is their imperfections. I want to know what makes you quirky. I want to know what keeps you up at night. I want to know all of those things. And so why wouldn't other people feel that way about me? So that I think is what has allowed me to be on Instagram in the way that I have is a recognition that Nobody wants my perfection. So why bother wasting my time trying to make it that way? Um, And I think the other thing is because movement's been my thing for such a long time, movement is so much better when we can approach it from the point of view of like a little bit is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel that way about Instagram as well. Putting up something that is imperfect but might help someone is going to be 10 times better than waiting three months to post one perfect thing to find out that nobody wanted it anyway because the because instagram is so fickle you know you might i remember back in the in the um lockdowns that we had here i posted something that was just so 
silly. Like it just, I, it took me two seconds to do. It felt very silly. And it had one of the most like highest views, saves, shares I've ever experienced in my life. Then I've had ones where I'm like, this is amazing. People are going to love this and no one bloody sees it. Mm -hmm. So I also think it's that feeling of when you're more prolific, you start to realize how insignificant in some ways, in some ways, super significant and completely insignificant simultaneously one piece of content is. And so it, you know, and I'm, I'm far more capable of being, being productive in terms of a content creation point of view when I'm doing it regularly. As soon as I stop doing that, I find, oh, it's so much harder to get back into it, which is actually, if I'm being completely honest, where I'm at right now after a few weeks of school holidays. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, but I don't know. I just like to think about what do I like to see from other people? I like to see who they really are. I like to see them. And so I have to assume that it's true of others. I also think having watched your content, you're, you're in a constant conversation with your audience via the conversations that you're having with yourself. Like there is this yes. constant dialogue of, this is a conversation that I was just having with myself and I thought you might be interested in it. And so you're mm-hmm. never coming in with a, you're never starting fresh. Like you're mm. just, it's like this constant dialogue, um, which is exactly how you would be talking to a friend or talking to a regular client. And so there is that sense of relationship and in particular that sense of humanity that you were talking about. Mm. Um, And yes, you've reminded me I need to find my momentum again in content (laughs) creation. Same. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay because we're human. It's not going anywhere. It's not. No, it's exactly right. Um, I could talk with you forever, but our listeners might not want to do that. So (laughs) before I wrap up, and ask where we can find you. Um, what's your top speaking tip for our listeners? As someone, I mean, yeah, you you make your living out of speaking, though I suspect you've never mm. thought of it like that. You make no. your money out of doing movement. Um, what's your top speaking tip? You, you have put a little light bulb off in my head there. I'm like, yeah, you're right, I do. Isn't that interesting? Huh. Um, my top speaking tip has got to be to be kind. And I think this comes back to your question earlier around, um, well, I don't even think you asked the question, but you sort of alluded to the fact that sometimes people, you know, get nervous before the thing and their neck goes red and all of those things. Um, and I very much believe that if we can meet ourselves with kindness in our bodies, very altruistic attempts to keep us safe, mm that we can stop feeling like we're a problem and start to, like I said before, meet ourselves in our full humanity. And so meeting ourselves with kindness, meeting ourselves with compassion means that even if it doesn't go to plan, we are still going to land somewhere soft with ourselves. Doesn't mean there's not room for improvement and that we don't, you know, have tricky conversations with ourselves, of course, but it's not kind of going into battle with ourselves we create a a kind of almost more of an internal baseline of safety for ourselves Mm. which like you said before we cannot control the outside we cannot it doesn't matter how hard we try we cannot do it we will persist we will persist in trying I'm sure of it until the end of time but we cannot and so being able to 
have some level of control over that internal environment through kindness, absolutely my number one tip. And I really want to pull out that piece there where you said you, you, when your body is reacting like that, it's doing it from a place of good intention. Absolutely. It's, it, it's doing it in response to what it perceives is a threat. So if you can just take a moment to say, it's okay, mm. we are not at risk here. What's yeah. the worst that's going to happen? You know, and you just, and you know, I, I also appreciate that what's the worst that can happen people will then spin that up as well we, it's really easy to go i'll be forever embarrassed i won't get this job it's like and still what's the worst that can happen and is that really likely is that really likely um is that yeah that constant dialogue with yourself yeah and recognizing that it doesn't require the absence of those uncomfortable feelings to do mm -hmm. it anyway I love this notion of the both and, right? Mm -hmm. I am feeling nervous and unsure of myself and I'm committed to showing up anyway. So here we go, you know? Here we go, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll, I will learn something, I will take something and I will progress. I will move yeah. forward. Erica, where can people find you to particular? I think particularly learn more about the Soma Home and being kind with ourselves? Yes, Instagram. <laughs> As we alluded to. Um, so I'm Erica Webb underscore self kind. Um, and you'll also just find me on my website, ericawebb.com.au. Beautiful. And of course, I will put those links in the show notes. Erica, thank you so much for not only coming on, but also just being one of those genuine leaders who are showing us that we can be kind to ourselves, even in the, the movement industry, which isn't known for being necessarily kind. Um, and that we can meet ourselves where we're at. Thank you so much, Kat. I told you it was a good conversation, didn't I? How just delicious was that chat? There are so many beautiful things that I want to draw out of this conversation in the context of speaking with greater confidence. First of all, how we speak to ourselves, what we're saying to ourselves in the lead up to a presentation, in the lead up to a high stakes meeting. When we are telling ourselves that people are going to um, think we're stupid, think we're not on track, when we're focusing on what people think of us, as distinct to focusing on our message, our nervous system will kick in. Our nervous system will think that we're under threat. And I love Erica's concept of we can't necessarily, well, we can't, we can't control the external environment, but we can manage how we're talking to ourselves and we, can't, we can give ourselves a soft place to land. And when we're giving ourselves a soft place to land, then we're minimizing that nervous system heightened response. We're minimizing that feeling of internal threat. I also love what Erica was saying about just being human, being authentic, being genuine. And from her perspective, when she's creating content for social media, she's saying to herself, well, I love seeing people's quirks. I love seeing people's humanity. Why wouldn't it be the same for my audience? And so just being herself, being real and having a conversation. So I hope you enjoyed that too. I would love to know if you're listening to this on a platform that lets you leave reviews or lets you answer questions or lets you leave a comment, please do so. It's just awesome 
awesome when people leave reviews. I did have um, Nadu leave me a comment recently on the episode with Kate Toon where she just, she laughed because we obviously discussed being vanilla and the comment in the podcast episode was no one likes vanilla unless it's ice cream and Nadu left a comment on the podcast episode. So thank you. And yes, I would love your comments um, and your feedback on what you enjoyed and what you'd like to hear more of. The other thing is, are you on my newsletter list? Every Tuesday, I send out a newsletter. It's called Speaker's Notes. And in that newsletter, I give you a speaking tip. I give you a bit of an internal musing. I keep you updated of workshops that are coming up, programs that I'm working on, or opportunities to work with me. And I'd like to think, and in fact, people tell me that that newsletter is very readable and high value. So if you're not already on my list, head over to impactfulpresenters.com. That's impactfulpresenters.com. You will see the opportunity to sign up for my ebook, How to Stop Rambling. And when you do that, you will also then receive my weekly newsletters, speaking notes, speaker's notes, I should say. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I look forward to seeing you next time. Feel free to reach out with any comments, questions, thoughts or concerns. And in the meantime, here's to confidence and here's to impact. Bye.